Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Good evening, church, friends, family, uh, guests alike. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in with us here at Pleasant Hill for the live stream of our Lifeline Bible study. Again, just so glad to be with you tonight. I want to remind you, uh, just from the get-go, that the live stream is our online Bible study, our online Bible lesson that we do. Uh, it's, li- it's live streamed or videoed and then posted, and you can view this uh, anytime really after 5 o'clock, and then, of course, you can view it. If you don't get to watch it at 5, you can still see it, and so keep that in mind because at 6 o'clock, we have our in-person uh, Bible study, and we're calling that DIG, Digging In With God, and uh, that is a more discussional, conversational uh, question and answer Bible study as we dig in together. And that takes place in person here in the, in the uh, main church building at 6 o'clock. And so I'm recording this now, and uh, I invite you to watch and be part of both. This is only online. The other one's only in person uh, because it's to be just difficult to do a discussional type Bible study uh, in a small group setting. Everybody would have to have microphones and moving cameras around, and so... We opted to do it this way. Also, at 7 o'clock, we do have our youth hangouts down in the fellowship hall. All these things take place every Wednesday, unless otherwise announced. And, of course, we always invite you to come on Sunday in person for our small group Bible study, uh, Bible lessons that take place uh, at 9.45 a.m., and then, of course, our morning worship with message from the Word at 10.45 a.m. on Sunday. Now, the 10.45 is also live-streamed, and you can join with us online for that as well. So, again, we've made a few changes, added a few things. I subscribe to the theory that this world needs more Bible, more Jesus, not less. And so, therefore, we're trying to offer more things and and, uh, availability for you and resources for you to utilize. Uh, again, I plan on do, diving back into doing more devotionals even online on our website, phbc.online, and you can find things there like uh, all of our previous recorded video sermons. You can find other videos. You're going to be able to find other links, other places you need to go, church calendar. Uh, you'll be able to find many things there at phbc.online. But again, we always want you to come be part of what we're doing here. Uh, we would love, if you're in our area or just passing through, we would love for you to come join with us in person again on uh, 6 o'clock uh, Wednesday night and 9.45 and 10.45 Sunday morning. And, of course, our youth at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. But uh, And we also do have an uh, informal Bible fellowship that meets right now. We're meeting at Hardy's in Clemson over on Highway 93, Highway 93. Uh, in central Clemson area uh, every Thursday, not this week, but most Thursdays uh, we are doing that there, and we invite you to join us for that conversation as well. 
But for right now, I invite you to read in your Bible with me, or open your Bibles rather, to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. We've been going through the book of Ruth the last several Wednesdays. We just finished up Ruth chapter 1, where we talked about three mistakes to avoid when going through troubles, and we touched on those uh, in, the, in the previous weeks. But now we're going to move on to Ruth chapter 2. In Ruth chapter 2, I'm going to bring you three keys to inviting God to work through you. That's what we're going to see in Ruth chapter 2. This will also take us a few weeks, and so we're going to try to hit just one of those keys tonight. Just one of those keys tonight, and we're really going to read just verses 1 through 4 in Ruth chapter 2. So open your Bible to Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to read the passage, then we'll pray, and then I'm going to dive in with what God has for us tonight. Ruth chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now remember, before I continue on, Ruth and Naomi have just returned to Bethlehem without their husbands, which are dead, without Naomi's sons, and which one of them would have been Ruth's husband, which is dead, and they have come from uh, the land of Moab. Ruth is a Moabitess uh, woman, and they've come back, and nobody hardly recognizes Naomi at all because she has gone from being pleasant to being bitter, and we saw that, and now they're back in Bethlehem. Let's go ahead and pick up verse 2. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, which was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us as we read your word, as we study your word. And Father, I pray that you would help us that we, like Ruth, would, do the, would find the keys, would follow the keys to inviting you to use us in your plan just as you used Ruth in your plan to bring about Jesus and ultimately salvation, to paint this picture of grace and redemption. God, I, help, I pray that you would help us. Help us to learn, help us to grow, but help us to be inviting you to use us in your plan. Thank you for all that you do for us, Father. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is keys to inviting God to work through you. Now I want you to understand that upon returning to Israel at the end of chapter 1, we found these two women, Ruth and Naomi, that were of two very different mindsets. Naomi, as we saw in chapter 1, was bitter. Remember, she had gone from being Naomi. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because Naomi meant pleasant and Mara meant bitter, and she was bitter. She said she was empty, and she was blaming God 
for the way that he had treated her. She had lost her husband, she had lost her two sons, and she was ashamed of the fact that she had left Bethlehem and gone to Moab. She was ashamed of the fact that her two sons had married women that, that God had ordained they should not have married, and so there now she is ashamed. Now Ruth, she's excited. We saw her back when she told Ruth, she said in verse 16 of chapter 1, Entreat me not, or beg me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do to me, and more also, if aught but death, but part thee and me. So she's excited, she's willing uh, she's hopeful even, as we're going to see in this chapter here, chapter 2. And she is believing. She's believing in God, the God of Israel. Now understand, she too had had many troubles. She too had lost her husband. She too had left her home and was a stranger and a foreigner. But she hoped to be a blessing. And she hoped to be able to receive a blessing. And she had put her faith in the God of Israel. Now, if we believe that God is at work for a purpose in our lives, like if we're going through something and we realize or we understand this is for the better good or my life is going to be a testimony, this, this is going to work out and God's going to work all things together for good and this is what's going to happen through my life, people will see, and that will help us along the way. That knowledge, that faith that God is doing things through us. But Ruth didn't yet know that God was going to use her in a mighty way. Ruth did not know that God was going to use her in his grand plan to bring Jesus into the world and therefore salvation to the whole world. Because she later, we find out, she never lived to see the day, but we find out that she's the great-great-grandmother of David and therefore listed in the line of four or ancestors of Jesus, the lineage of Jesus. Ruth is part of that. God used her in a mighty way to bring Jesus into this world, but also to give us a picture of Jesus right here in the Old Testament, the kinsman redeemer, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and his love and his grace and all that he provides. That's a picture of Boaz, but we're going to see all that in the book of Ruth. But Ruth didn't know. She had gone through, Naomi and Ruth had gone through hardships. They didn't realize that God was going to use them, and Ruth in particular, mightily at this point. Ruth did not imp know the impact that her story was going to make for her mother-in-law, for her new homeland, and the whole world. And nor do we understand what God might do through us. But God knows and God knew and had a plan to use her and he has a plan to use you and me. And like Ruth, you and I, we go through hard circumstances. We go through trials and tribulations. We go through things that are less than ideal. That's just the reality of it, and there's not a person that's listening to me. And certainly I myself have gone through things that are less than ideal. We'll go through difficulty and trial, just as Naomi and Ruth had experienced. And we don't know the impact that we can have, but we need to know that God can use 
the circumstances of our life. God uses the path of our life. God uses the actions of our lives in his will. And we too can make a difference in the world and in our world, just as Ruth did. But we must learn to have an outlook of Ruth. And regardless of our past story, listen to me now, regardless of our past story, we ought to desire to be a blessing and be used of God in our next story. Just as Ruth was. So how did Ruth come to be used by God through her life to accomplish his will, and what can we learn and apply to help us invite God to work through us just as he did through Ruth? Ruth invited God to work in her life and through her life by following three keys. I'm not saying that she knew that these were the three keys she was following, but she gives us three keys that made her available for God to use. And we can follow these three keys so that God can and will use us in his will in a mighty way because we're available to be used. I'm only going to give you one tonight. But in this series of three keys to inviting God to work through you, this week we begin this first key, which is we must live By faith, if you want to invite God to work in your life and through your life, you've got to be living for him by faith. Ruth learned to live by faith. Look with me in the first few verses, if you would. She gleaned in the fields of Bethlehem. He said, well, how does that prove that she was living by faith. Well, because she learned about God and his law. She learned about God and his law. Even unbelievers. Now, again, she could have heard about this when she was in Moab. We don't know exactly for sure. But there are certainly in our world today unbelievers who hear of the works of God, who hear of the laws, the instructions of God. In other words, almost everybody in our area at least has heard of the Ten Commandments. Now, there are places in the world that may not be true, but right here where we live, most people are familiar with at least some of the commandments, or at least they've heard the phrase, the Ten Commandments. His instructions. Ruth heard them, apparently, also from Naomi. You know, the response of a new believer as Ruth, we, we, we could call because she said, your God will be my God. And when she made that declaration of faith, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave God. I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna, God, do more so to me if I ever leave. Then I'm telling you, when a person becomes a new believer, as we could qualify Ruth as, God works in you. God changes you. God begins to shape you. And you will have a desire to know more about the one who saved you and has forgiven you. Is that not true? Now, we sometimes lose that along the way. Think we've arrived or the world takes away our passion. We get caught up in the things of the world. But when we're first saved and we're so excited, we want to learn more. 
What does it mean that I'm saved? What do I do now? Where do I go? How can I be used? That's how we ought to be all the time. But I'm telling you, the new believer, the response to the new believer is going to be an interest and a curiosity to know more about the God who saved them. And Ruth certainly did, and she began to ask questions. You say, well, how do you know that? Because she realizes or she learns that God had given laws and instructions on how to treat the poor, the widow, the foreigner. And that's why she says, I'm going to go glean in the fields. Because God had given the laws that directed the people to leave certain things in the field for those that would glean after them to provide for the poor, for the widows, for the foreigner. For those who did not have. People often say, you know, well, as Christians, you know, uh, 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 what are we supposed to do for the poor? God gave explicit instructions for his care of the poor. And the existence of God's law is proof that God's of God's care. He instructed in Exodus 23.3, if you want to write that down, and you can go look that up later. But he instructed Israel to treat the poor with equity and generosity. In other words, treat them fairly. Treat them kindly. And be generous in doing so. And so therefore, they were, they were harvesting their crops. They were to leave certain amounts on the trees, on the plants, on the vine, and even on the ground for poor folk and for those that were willing to go behind and pick up what they dropped or pick up what they left. He also instructed care for the widows in Exodus 22:24, not just for the poor, but also for the widows. Now the widow would also most likely be poor because women didn't have the same access to the workplace in those days as women do now. But the widows and the poor God cared for. Also instructed to show kindness in Exodus 23, 9, he says, because you were a foreigner in Egypt and you know how you were mistreated, therefore treat others differently that are foreigners, that are strangers. Foreigners. Kind of a kick in the can for us here in America when we get a little bit upset about all that is going on with foreign people and people don't speak our language. Listen, I'm not saying, uh, listen, I think we ought to have border security. I think we ought to be wise. But listen, we ought to be compassionate as well. Racism has no part in a Christian's life or ought to. But there's instructed to show kindness and care to the foreigner in Exodus 23, 9. God had given instructions and laws. And Ruth must have learned of those by asking Naomi because she was curious about this God of Israel in whom she had put her faith. And Ruth was all of these. She was a poor. She was a widow. She was a foreigner. And in fact, in Deuteronomy 10, 18 gives instructions. In fact, I'm going to go back to Deuteronomy 10, 18. And we're going to see exactly what it says there. Is I'm going to take time to do that right now. Deuteronomy 10, 18, and it says this. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless, that's the orphan, and the widow, 
and loveth the stranger, that's the foreigner, and giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. That word stranger there can be translated foreigner. Ruth is all those things. And Ruth learned of those things. She learned of God's instruction. And she learned that God cared for the widow, the the orphan, the poor, the foreigner. And she applied what she learned. She put it to the test. She put it to action. And she requested Naomi that she may go glean, applying what she learned. So she learned of God's law, and she applied what she learned. That's what we're to be doing as Christians, as disciples, in discipleship, is learning what God has said, and then by reading his word and studying his word, and then applying that to our lives, what we've learned. And so therefore, she was learning to live by faith. And we must live by faith. If we're going to invite God to work in our lives, we've got to live by faith. But to live by faith, so what does that really mean, to live by faith? It means to take God at his word. Believe him. And then act upon what he has said. That's what it means to live by faith. And she lived by faith because she believed She was hopeful, she was excited that she would be successful because God had given instructions and commands for her to have provision. Now, as yet, she didn't know about Boaz. I know in verse 1 it says something about Boaz, but that's just kind of setting the stage for us in hindsight. But Ruth did not yet know about Boaz. We know that because it's not until later in the chapter when she comes back and she tells Naomi, this is where I was at and this is who I met. And she said, hey, that's a cousin. That's a kinsman of, your, of my husband. And so therefore, Ruth is excited. She doesn't know about Boaz yet, but she's excited that God's going to take care of her. She believes God's going to take care of her through his people. And so therefore, she goes to glean. And she believed that she would be successful and believed that she'd be taken care of because she believed what God had said. Now, here's the key. She put in the work. There are some people that will say, well, God's going to take care of me. I'm just going to sit right here and receive God's blessing and God's promises. Uh, I believe what God says, therefore I'm going to go to church and God's just going to bless me for going. I'm not going to do anything else I'm not, or, or I'm going to do very little else or I'm not really going to put in the work that's required. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. It is God who works in you and God gives you the strength. And I'm not preaching a message of God helps those who help themselves, that's nowhere in the word of God, but the principle is true. In in fact, uh, it was said in the Bible, if a man does not work, he shouldn't eat. But listen, here's my point. God wants to work in your life. That doesn't mean that he just does it, and no matter what you do, God's just going to do wonderful things through you. No, that's not what happens. She was willing to put in the work, and so must you and I. If we're living by faith, we're learning about God, we're learning what he says, we're learning what he'd have us to do, we're learning of his character, we're learning to trust him, and then we're going to put it to the test, and we're going to put our feet in motion and put our hands to the millstone, if you will, 
the grindstone and we're going to go to work and we're going to carry out what God has told us and what God has taught us. So she learned of God's law and his character and she applied what she learned and she found God to be faithful. As she was living by faith, she found that God is a God of faith and faithfulness. You see, that's the thing. If she just put in the work and found God to be unfaithful, which God would never be, but if you put in the work for somebody and you believe somebody's going to pay you, if you believe someone's going to take care of you, if they say to you, hey, listen, you come to work for me, or you come do this yard work for me, or you come watch my child, or you come uh, clean my house, and I'll pay you such and such a money, or I will, I'm going I'm to fix you dinner while you're there, or I'm going to give you food, or whatever it is. And you go over there and you go to their house and you clean their house or you babysit their child or you walk their dog or you take out their trash or you rake their leaves or whatever it is and then they don't feed you any food like they said they would and they don't pay you any money like they said they would and they don't give you anything for your work like they said they would, then you're not going to go back. Let me say, well, I'm sorry about last time, but I'll do it this time. No, no. You know, my kids do that sometimes. One of them will say to the other, if you do this, I'll give you this much money, or I'll do this for you. And they go and do it. Lucas will go and do it, and then they won't get it. And I said, well, then stop believing what they're saying to you. Now, if I hear them, I'll make them. But I'm just simply saying, sometimes we find that people are not faithful to keep their word, not faithful to keep their promises. But Ruth found that God is always faithful, and you and I will find that God is always faithful. This is where Boaz comes in the scene. This is where Boaz comes in the theme, scene, because she found provision in the field, but she found out that it was Boaz's field. We're not going to take time to get into this section just yet, but just understand that that's the reason I mentioned verse 4, because Boaz was a man of some ability or some wealth and had some fields, and she went in the field and she gleaned and she was taken care of. And we're going to see just how much she was taken care of. This man of Boaz. You know, God, you know, it's wonderful to know that even in a time of of wickedness and time of rebellion against God, and that's the time that Ruth was living in because although Israel was God's chosen people, this is the time of, of the period of the judges. And that was a time when everybody did what seemed good in their own eyes and over and over and over again, they turn away from God. That's, what's ha- that's the period of time we're in like we've talked about already. And so therefore there's much wickedness. We can look at, you know, in America... We, we, we could say we certainly have turned our back on God, just as Israel over and over again turned their back on God. But even in a place and a time where many have turned their back on God, there will always be those who follow and are faithful. And Boaz was such a man. And God used Boaz in Ruth's life. Ruth, by 
providence, not by happenstance, not by circumstance, but by the providence of God, found her way into Boaz's field. As I told you before, she didn't know anything yet. She didn't say, oh, I'm going to go to Boaz. It's near Kinsman. No, she was just gleaning along with other people that were in the other poor folks, other widows, other orphans, gleaning in the field. She was just along with, with the peasants, gleaning in a field. Didn't know that it was Boaz's field. We know that because in chapter 2, verse 20, as I alluded to earlier, Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead, and Naomi said to her, The man is near of kin to us, one of our next kinsmen. That's when she finds out. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't circumstance. It was the providence of God. Because God was at work in her life, and God was at work in Boaz's life. Genesis 24, 27. Turn there if you would very quickly for a moment. I've only got a few more minutes left, but I want you to see Genesis 24, 27, and it says this. 24, 27. This is where Abraham's servant is going to find a wife for Isaac, Abraham's son. In verse 27, they said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brother. In other words, he had no idea, but God was guiding and working in his life, and God did that in the servant of Abraham, God did that in Boaz, God did that in Ruth, and God does that for you and for me. Live by faith, believing that God will take care of you, believing that God has prepared a way for you, believing that God cares for you. And even though you're going through a trial and a hardship, or maybe going through a trial and a hardship, God cares for you. And God is at work in your life. God is constantly working with us, Mark 16, 20. God is constantly working in us, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. God is constantly working for us, Romans 8, 28. Now understand this. When I say God is at work for us, in us, and through us, it's not to accomplish our feeble purposes our temporal purposes, our finite purposes, but that of his eternal perfect purpose, which is far greater than anything we can even imagine of. So much better than what you think you want. We pray and we seek his will in making decisions, and sometimes we may make the wrong decisions, but it is God who orders and guides his willing children. And one of the ways you make yourself willing, and one of the ways you make yourself available is by walking by faith. Just like Ruth did. I pray that we would walk by faith, that we would walk in faith, believing God at his word, and then putting to action 
what he has said. God said it, I believe it, and now I'm going to follow and obey what he has said. This is God's word. I will read it. I will believe it. And I will follow it and obey it by the grace of God. Living by faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today to live by faith as Ruth did. Believing your promises, believing your word, believing your character, believing you care. Believing that you want to work in us and that, God, we would invite you to working in and through us for your purposes and for your plan and for your will. And, oh, God, that we would cherish the moment and live by faith. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Oh